Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Thursday, November the 4th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this pod, uh, I am grateful and I wish you God's life and God's goodness, uh, God's grace and mercy, God's good and wonderful presence uh, in your life today. Hey, thanks for being present and breaking open God's word with me. Uh, we are jumping to, so we, we essentially finished the 14th chapter of Luke yesterday. Even though we haven't spent a lot of time in Luke this week, we essentially finished the 14th chapter yesterday. Uh, there were a couple of verses afterward, uh, but uh, wouldn't have really uh, had a lot of oomph had, had the church focused to, to look at that. So we're jumping today to the 15th chapter of Luke, which is... One of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourselves. It is so wonderful. It is so wonderful. So anyway, today we're going to do Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Um, The first two of three incredible parables that Jesus gives. The third being perhaps the greatest story in all of Scripture. We're not going to get that today. But we'll do the first two, which lead up to it. So Luke 15, 1 to 10. It's also a feast day today. We celebrate the feast of St. Charles Borromeo. So we're going to talk a little bit about Charles after uh, we break open God's word as well, okay? So let's, uh, let's do just that. Let's see what God has for us through Luke today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus addressed this parable to them. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, He sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, forgive me, going back into old habits, and uh, I suspect Karen will be smiling at this, but really, brothers and sisters, this is such good news. This, Honestly, how can one read these and not think, oh my gosh, this is who our God is? Because remember, even these 
analogies, even these parables that Jesus uses, these stories. And, and again, they, they're just made up, right? But they point to a greater truth. And they point to that greater truth, even as, as imperfect as they are, because they, they, you know, nothing that we can, can come up with on this side of the veil can fully encapsulate who God is. But they point to the largesse and the goodness of God. So what does this point to? Where, where does this point? Well, the first thing that we want to hear, I think, is right out of the chute, okay? The first line, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus addressed these stories, these parables, to them. He didn't address it to the, to the crowds. He addressed it to the Pharisees and the scribes. So let's, let's, you know, kind of spin this out. Now we look at this and say, ah, well, Jesus, what a great guy. How fantastic is this? And, and rightfully so, by the way. Um, but here's, here's what I invite you to ponder. How would your parish how would your congregation react if their pastor, if their priest were seen out uh, to lunch with a known prostitute uh, within the town? How would your parish, how would your congregation react if every night of the week, your pastor or your priest were seen out at the bars uh, or, or out late at night carousing. You know, I use that word carousing just, you know, um, openly in public areas laughing and being present with um, known, quote-unquote, sinners. Uh, uh, you know, people that, uh, that maybe partake too much in, in alcohol or or were rough around the edges, or not at the center, by the way, of any of those congregations or parishes from which they, they, the pastor or the, the priest are, are to shepherd. How, how would that congregation react? How would you react? Brothers and sisters, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And the Pharisees, who were the heads of these other congregations, you know, or, and, and the shepherds of the people of Israel, were reacting in a way that was uh, repulsed by what Jesus was doing. How can you keep company with these other people? Who do you think we are, you are, in doing so? Don't you know we're called to holiness? And, and my friends, bottom line is they're not wrong in the sense that we're called to holiness. You and I, we, we, we've had all saints and all souls earlier. We are called to be saints. But how does that look? How does that look? Does that look like coming together in a group of, of people and um, pretending, putting on a facade that I have it all together? And uh, I don't need 
uh, other people? Does it look like um, my own worthiness uh, and, uh, and, and, and keeping away from the great unwashed masses? Or does it rather look like going directly into them and, uh, and being a light and loving them? Even rather than being a light, just saying a light because I want to bring you out. I mean, in that sense, how about we love them in the midst of where they are and who they are? And maybe they see what love looks like for the first time and they catch that virus. Jesus addressed this parable to them, meaning the scribes and Pharisees. So, then he uses two examples here, right? What man among you, what person among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the 99 in the desert and go after the lost one until they find it? And when they do find it, they set it on their shoulders with great joy. And upon their arrival home, they call together their friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost one. In just the same way. (laughs) I mean, that's the key here. In just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Now, first of all, let's spin this out. What shepherd among you, what person among you would not leave the 99 and go after the one? I don't know, man. Here's what I know. I've never been a shepherd, and I've never had 100 sheep in, in a, in a pastor, pasture and, uh, and, and had to watch over them. But here's my thought. What shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one? Oh, I think none. I think nobody, zero, would do that. Why? Because here's why, and you know the answer to that already. Here's why. Because you go after the one, and eventually you find it, and you come back and bring it back, and you know what? Two other sheep have wandered off. And so then you go after those two, and you bring them back, and you come back, and three others have wandered off, including the one you might have just found. And you create this cycle, and you are just chasing your tail the rest of the time. I would think, now again, I don't know, but I would think most shepherds would stay with the 99 and say, well, sure hope that other one comes back. But that's not how our God reacts. In just the same way, he goes out and searches and searches for us until he finds us. And what does he do at that point? In, in an act of intimacy, right? He doesn't scold. He doesn't... Um, you know, hit it on the backside and swat it and get it moving and, and, and chastise and get it, get it back to the group. He picks it up and places it on his shoulders. And in an act of great love, brings it back into the group and then invites others to rejoice. And, and, and not only that, you know, then he proclaims at the end, now this would be a slap in the face to the Pharisees and scribes, but we need to hear it. Because we could hear it incorrectly. And I think we need to hear it correctly here. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Now, we might look at that 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance and say, well, good for them. And why don't they get a little love here? Because they stayed and they're the 99 and they have no need of repentance. Why are we giving it all over here to this one who's the sinner? 
You know, is that the squeaky wheel? But remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees and scribes who feel like they are the righteous and they have no need of repentance. That's who he's talking to. I don't think this is a, a the 99, we're in a great spot. Think this. What parable is going to follow these two? You know what it is. It's the prodigal son. Think the older son who wouldn't come in the banquet at the end, who stubbornly refused. That's, that's what he's talking about here. And brothers and sisters, here's the danger to our congregations and our parishes right now. If we think that we, the gathered, are the saved, if we think that we are this shining light and everybody out there are the unwashed masses, if we think we've got it and they don't, do you know who we are in this story? We're not the ones you want to be. We're the 99 who feel like we have no need of repentance. And does heaven rejoice at that? No. Brothers and sisters, we are a people gathered all of us, we are a people gathered who are all sinners. Do you remember Pope Francis in his first interview he gave eight years ago when they sat down with him and said, who is, you know, Jorge Borgoglio? Who is Pope Francis? And he said his first words, I am a sinner. I am a sinner in need of God's grace. That's somebody who gets it. Brothers and sisters, and we need to be those people who get it too. We are a community gathered. Wherever we gather, we are a community gathered of, of sinners in need of God's grace and in need of one another's grace. We need to remember that because the minute we think we are okay, the minute we think we've made it on our own, the minute we think we are in no need of repentance, we become the, the scribe and the Pharisee in this in this story, and that should scare the dickens out of us because our God goes off searching for those and in an act of intimacy unites himself and, and all of heaven rejoices. Now, this doesn't say, hey, go out and sin. What it means is, <laughs> let's be honest with who we are right now and let's not try to pretend individually who we are with any masks or facades and let's not try to pretend as a community who we are with masks and facades. We are a community who God is absolutely crazy about because he shepherds us. But we are a community in need of God's grace and we are individuals within that community in need of, God, of God's grace. And we must never forget that because we need the shepherd. And it's only then that we can, are, can open ourselves to God's grace and, and receive that intimacy that follows. And brothers and sisters, the other side of this, now the good news, again, this is such good news, because our God, of course, is out there searching, and this is where this analogy falls short, because of course God already knows where we are, right? He doesn't need to search for us. He knows where we are. Do we know we need to be found? That's the real issue with, with this parable. Do we know that we, that we need to be found and do we have the desire to come back? Our God is searching. And, and you know, that's just looking, you know, at one person, me. Um, uh, 
do I know there are parts of me, brothers and sisters, maybe there's 99 parts of you that, that are doing pretty well. Of course, still in need of God to, to continue to do well, not on my own. But there are one or two or three parts that are lost within me. Do I know that? And I'm, am I willing to allow God to enter into those spaces within me and find them and rejoice that God is within them? Because just like he goes out and is among the tax collectors and sinners, that he, he is not afraid of those places within me, brothers and sisters. And he's not afraid of those places within you. So we don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of them. Nor do I. God loves you right now in the midst of it. But we have to need, know we are in need of God's grace and repentance. You and I. And then, of course, brothers and sisters, we become icons of this, right? When's the last time we were in the midst of whatever uh, community we would consider those in need? Now, again, we can't go in there with hubris and arrogance because we are in need too. They are us. They are us. And we are them. And, and when's the last time we deigned to love someone in the midst of who they are and in so doing, uh, allowing them to perhaps see love for the first time? Do we dare go outside of whatever boundaries our communities, our, our parishes, our families, our, our whatever it is set up? Because they set up in us and them. When's the last time we crossed over those? And we loved as, as fully, as recklessly as our God does here. That's what we're invited to, my friends. And, and you know, the second parable, you know, second verse, same as the first, as, as they say, right? What woman having ten coins and losing one would not light a lamp and sweep the house? You know, probably most of it, depending on how worthy that coin was or unworthy, you know, if it was only one cent. I don't know that many of us would waste a lot of time for that or a nickel or even a dime, you know, quarter, huh? you know, I'm not going to spend a day looking for a quarter, would you, you know, but, but again, that's the point, isn't it? Our God sees you and I as worthy. Our God sees our community as worthy. Do we see other people with the same worth that God sees us? Can we have those eyes of God to do that? Our God, I, I love this line in the second parable. Searching carefully. What woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? Brothers and sisters, our God is, is that one who does search carefully, that hound of heaven that we've talked about who continues to chase after us. May our hearts know, one, that we need to be found, and two, allow ourselves to be found. May we see and live with the same eyes and actions of Christ, uh, knowing that uh, there will be others who uh, may not care for that, but may we remember, my friends, first and foremost, that we as individuals, that parts of us, that, that our communities, we are, we are sinners. We are sinners, to use Pope Francis' words, in need of God's grace. And, and we are called to go out, out from our communities, outside of ourselves, 
uh, and, and trust uh, and be led by our God and, and bring that light to places where maybe it's harder to see. Our God is not afraid of us. He's not afraid of those things within us. He's not afraid of the truth of who we are as individuals and who we are as communities. Let us not cover that light with a bushel basket. Let us not cover it with a facade or, or a mask. Let us be honest, because only in our honesty can we allow ourselves, our friends, our communities to be loved with the love that we want. We don't want to be those who see we don't have need of repentance. We don't want to be that because then we call ourselves scribes or Pharisees. Let's pray. So we begin, my friends, uh, as always, in everything, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth luminous mystery, the mystery of light, uh, the transfiguration of Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. Yeah, I meant to talk about Charles Borromeo, totally forgot. And at this point, 
I'm just going to invite you to go and, and look that up yourself. But he was an incredibly good man, uh, one who came from riches and it was intelligent and placed in situations that he rose to the occasion and, and helped direct the church for 400 years. I mean, obviously he didn't live for that long, but uh, said it from the Council of Trent to the Second Vatican Council. That was in large part because of him. And, uh, and then he just became a living example of somebody who cared for the poor. Uh, and uh, even in the midst of when others wouldn't. Uh, what a good man. What a good man. And we thank God for him. We thank God for you. Thanks for being present today on our pod. And, uh, and may God bless you. Let's come back together and uh, break open God's word one more time this week, tomorrow on Friday, huh? God's blessings. God's peace.